Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am fresh off a Disneyland trip, which is something I don't often get to say because I live near Disneyland. <laughs> I usually drive over, go for a few hours, and then schlep all the way home. But this time was a true trip. It was a full media event. I stayed over multiple nights. I was truly immersed in all things Disneyland, and I'm so excited to bring you this episode recapping all the newness you can expect in 2023 at Disneyland Resort. I had a great time. <laughs> I'm just going to preface it with that. We'll get into it later, but I had a really great time and I'm really glad I went. Uh, and it was, it was fun. It was nice to be there kind of as though I was visiting because I never, ever, ever catch that vibe because I'm usually traveling to Disney World for stuff. So it was very, it was very fun. In, in other news, as you probably know, if you listened to last week's podcast, or I'm sure I've shared online by now, this is our second to last episode before I leave on maternity leave. And I'm very sad about it. I'm a little melancholy, but also my brain don't work anymore. So it's for the best. <laughs> uh, I've made some, oh, sorry, my chair is all squeaky. Uh, I, I've made some errors. I've had to edit out just, just stupid mistakes and all the blood in my body is going towards the second brain that is somewhere in my stomach or uh, in an, or I don't, honestly, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how the human body is laid out. I don't know where all that blood, I don't know where the other, the baby brain is, but anyway, this is, this is why, this is why we're calling it early. Um, anyway, I'm very sad to leave you all, but I'm going to go out with a bang with this week and next week's episodes. There's not much else going on. I was going to talk about Super Nintendo World, uh, because annual pass holder previews started this week. And as you know, I love my Universal Studios Hollywood annual pass. It is extremely affordable and I get free parking, which, uh, I love a free parking. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I ended up not going because it wasn't feeling great. And it sounds like it was busy and hectic. So it's okay. But I will uh, most likely, we're going to say, be at the grand opening in February. So long as um, I can physically get there because that's kind of how things are. I, I guess I won't hold you anymore making you making you talk about nonsense. Um, this week is all about Disneyland and Disney 100. And I have so much to share. So I'm just going to get into it. Stick around for this little break and we'll be back momentarily. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome back. Now we are going to discuss the magical few days I spent at Disneyland Resort last week. I saw the new nighttime entertainment. I walked through the queue for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I also met characters, which we got to talk about. New costumes, food, Lunar New Year, the Grand Californian. We have so much to get into. 
So I'm just I'm just going to kick it off by explaining what exactly this trip was. I was at Disneyland Wednesday through Friday, and it was a true getaway, like a true trip, one which I naturally deeply overpacked for. And I mentioned this because, yes, people who are not used to this will be shocked, but it was cold at Disneyland. It was windy. I wore sweaters with heat tech and winter coats and gloves. So If you are traveling in the next few weeks to Disneyland, just plan ahead, check the weather. The wind can vary, but it can be cold. It can be really cold this time of year and always bring hand warmers. That is one of my go-to bits of advice that I always tell people and people always scoff at me, but you know what? I use them and I stayed toasty and it was great. Now, in this recap, there really aren't going to be any spoilers, particularly um, for the attraction, for the nighttime entertainment, except for where I mentioned, and I'll I'll give you a little heads up if there's anything in case you are really, really, really not wanting to know a thing, and I'll make it so you can just breeze past it, but any spoiler-ish detail would be so, 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 so small. I'm just overly cautious and wanted to let you know in advance. Now, we're going to discuss everything I saw and my thoughts about it. And then at the end, recap how you can see these new shows, how you can get on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, things like that. Now, if your Instagram feeds have been inundated with details about Disney 100, let me just talk about what that is for a minute. This is a company-wide celebration, but really the physicality of it at this moment in time is at Disneyland Resort. And if you see me out here being quiet about Disney 100 beyond this past week and the parks, it's just because personally, I have some I have some qualms about being in my position and discussing it uh, uh, on my social media in general conversations, things like that, because it feels a little weird to be celebrating a corporation. And I understand the Walt Disney Company is extremely unique and unlike any other company, but you would never catch me celebrating Home Depot's 75th anniversary. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're going to keep the general Disney 100 discussion to necessary bits here, and we may not discuss it too much in the future. Now, as I just mentioned, Disneyland is really taking on the public portrayal, the public persona of the festivities. But Disney 100 goes so far beyond just Disneyland Resort. It's going to be a year-long celebration, so expect to hear about this all year long beyond the park, whether it be collaborations with stores, with merchandise, it's going to be everywhere. So just keep that in mind. It's not just a park-only thing. And that message might have gotten muddied a little this week when it was kicking off at Disneyland, so I just wanted to clarify Now, at Disneyland specifically, there is decor on the castle. There's bunting and banners and star details on Sleeping Beauty Castle. The characters are wearing special costumes we'll get into later. So you really do feel that there is something going on. They also have Disney 100 specific eats um, and the color of choice of uh, this, uh, (laughs) this celebration is silver and purple. So... Purple is like a real, a real brother or sister or, or like right, or like a married partner right next to blue. You know how I feel about blue food. So I will not be eating a single Disney 100 thing. But if you choose to enjoy, purple doesn't seem like a, a color of non-grapes I should be eating. But, you know, to each their own. Enjoy it. Uh, enjoy your purple cakes. I don't know. Wouldn't, couldn't be me. <laughs> But enough about that. Let's talk about the big show, which is that Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at last opened at Disneyland Resort just a few days ago. If you are familiar, which you probably are because you listen to this podcast, this attraction already exists at Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World in Florida. And now a very, very similar version of it has opened at Toontown in Disneyland. Now, Toontown will not open in full for a handful more weeks, but 
once Toontown opens in full, it really will be revitalized from the ground up. There will be a lot of what people originally loved around about Toontown, paired with some newer things, paired with green spaces where um, families can lounge out and people on Twitter can scream about grass, which is a thing that happened this week. But I'll tell you as an aside, for anyone who is aware of this grass debate, um, when I was in the land, when I was in a portion of Toontown, which is currently open to access the ride, all of Toontown is not open yet, but there is a portion of Toontown that has a grassy space that has an open space. And I saw it and was like, oh, that's what everyone on Twitter has been yapping about. And it was being so actively used by the families there. There were kids cartwheeling. There were people sitting on benches doing work who were there for the media event. Like this space was being used so well that it really bodes well for how great Toontown is going to be. I am very happy with the changes they're making to Toontown. I think they're very smart. I think that they do need spaces for kids to run around. I think they need spaces for people who are coming to Disneyland with different desires and different needs to experience Disneyland that way, especially within this themed space. And I, I can't wait to see what happens when it opens in March. I Obviously, I won't be there because I'll be trapped inside my house with a small human, but I'm very excited to see from afar. Now, if you've heard about Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway opening at Disneyland, you've probably heard mostly about the queue. And the queue is great. It's just really nice to hear people heralding a queue. I'm sure partially because the majority, the vast majority of the media who are at this event covering it, we've already been on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. We've already kind of done it. And so the ride itself, there's not as much to discuss but the queue is brand new and completely different from Florida's attraction. They have these punny movie posters spoofing things like Newsies and Hocus Pocus, and I think even High School Musical, if I'm remembering correctly. But the premise here is that you are entering El Capitune Theater to see Mickey and Minnie's most recent short, but A Perfect Picnic. And you're taking in this exhibit called Mickey Through the Ears, as presented by, let me make sure I have this right, the Toontown Hysterical Society and curated by Minnie Mouse. It goes truly through the ages. It's kind of like a campy museum exhibit for Mickey Mouse's many works. And it has gags and different things to see and homages to Mickey's career. But what I think is most worth emphasizing here, instead of calling out all of the different things you'll see, those posters I mentioned, you'll see within two seconds. So I'm not, I'm not spoiling too much in the queue, I promise. But what's most worth mentioning is that this queue specifically fits this land so well. It is silly and campy and colorful in a way where this could have opened 20 years ago with similar gags and jokes. It could have opened eight years ago. It could have opened three years in the future. And I love that the stylization of it really fits within Toontown and I think will fit for many, 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 many years to come. The best part of the queue, and if this is a spoiler, it, it, it's not. It's not. Just enjoy. <laughs> the best part is the concession stand. Because, you know, you're entering a pretend movie theater, so there's got to be a pretend concession stand. And I wish this concession stand was real because it is so good. There are cases of candy that are reference everything from a goofy movie with the power limes to Adventures of the Gummy Bears to Laughograms. It D23 even detailed not just what all of these represent, but specific tiny references to which Imagineer is referenced on each food item within the case. It's it's exceptional. Um, if Disney Consumer Products knows what they're doing, they will turn out all of these candies in the gift shop. The gift shop, at the time of recording this, I have not been inside. It was closed off to us while we were at Disneyland Resort. So 
if they do release this, uh, those candies are going to sell so well, and I will probably be first in line to, to buy them. Cue aside, we do have to talk about the ride a tiny bit. As I mentioned, I personally was not able to go on it on this trip, um, sadly because of my current physical state, but I have been on it at Walt Disney World, and from what I understand, there are very, very slight differences between the two attractions. If you ride it regularly, you'll be able to spot them, but for all intents and purposes, it's basically kind of the same ride once you're in the vehicle. I will say, I do feel like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway belongs so much better at Disneyland and Toontown in its theme than it does at Disney's Hollywood Studios. But in mechanism, it fits better in Walt Disney World. Basically, theming-wise, this is a slam dunk for Toontown, especially with the new queue and the story that they've built from there. But it really is, if you think about it, a bit odd to have this ride that was specifically designed to fit the footprint and kind of this space that they were filling of the great movie ride in an entirely other park. Like, devoid of the knowledge that it's a dupe, the gigantic ride vehicles moving very slowly would probably feel a little odd to a regular Disneyland attendee who may not know this ride exists elsewhere. Just that long ride vehicle with those long benches is a little odd for a brand new attraction opening in 2023 when usually we see smaller vehicles, especially in a trackless sense, and not really shaped like this, which is pretty similar to the great movie ride attraction. The real reason I was at this Disneyland media event, though, was to see the new Nighttime entertainment at Disneyland Resort celebrating Disney 100. At Disney California Adventure, they are running a special World of Color 1, a brand new version of World of Color specifically for the 100th celebration. And at Disneyland, they're doing Wondrous Journeys. It's a new fireworks and projection show that is entirely inclusive of every Walt Disney Animations release ever. Which is a big feat, and we'll get into if they pulled it off or not. Spoiler alert, they fully pulled it off. It's very good. Now, well, we're going to talk about World of Color 1 first, but I need to admit, I need to, give, I need to give you a lot of background before we get into this. So, starting at the bottom, World of Color is not usually my favorite nighttime show. It's actually my least favorite of all of Disneyland's offering, Fantasmic Forever. I love dancing water, but I don't love a screen. I don't love a projection on a screen. I feel like it never looks the way I want it to, and it's always kind of hard to see, both physically on that projected water screen and also like through a crowd. I can never really make out what's happening. Also, you can get wet if you're too close, which is <laughs> not my vibe at nighttime because I get cold easily. I am a fireworks girl through and through. Now, despite all that, I was super excited to see World of Color 1. We got to preview it with a bunch of cast members, which we also did the following night for fireworks, which I loved that they did because sometimes we access stuff before employees do and then employees are asking us questions and it feels like a step is being skipped. Like them including cast members in this, in this debut was really special and really nice. It was really great to see it with an audience who is as passionate about this as we are and debatably more because they work at the company. Now, we saw this Wednesday night and I didn't post or tweet my reaction, which some of you might have noticed because I wanted to think about it a bit. I wanted to see the fireworks show because, like I mentioned, Walt Disney Animation is 100% of the fireworks show of the main show at Disneyland Park. And so all the other franchises and films and details, they're all in this show for the most part. I wanted to just see what it was like after seeing both shows in a row, maybe what it was like on a west, less windy night. I just held back on my thoughts on it. And boy, oh boy, am I glad I didn't say anything. 
because it has become abundantly clear since last week that I did not see the full show. We had kind of no idea at the time and and almost throughout the entirety of the event. Um, No one explicitly told me, but a colleague was informed that we really only saw a fraction of World of Color 1 because of the weather on the night that we saw it. And because of that, I feel strange reviewing it in full. So just keep that in mind. But from what I have seen since online, in videos, in photos, this show is good. Like this show looks incredible. And it's kind of heartbreaking that I'm not able to give you that first-person perspective despite being there. If I could, I I would hop in a car and drive all the way back just to see it on a less windy night. But our version was absolutely affected by weather, which makes it really hard to uh, share my thoughts about the projections, the show's cohesiveness, things like that, because there are even scenes where we were, a lot of us were discussing it after, we were like, oh, why, why was that in there? And it ends up, we didn't even... We didn't even see other water projection screens that would have tied those segments together. So what I will say is that there are still some qualms about the show that come through. I think the tone of the show is a bit off. It's not as uplifting, positive, inspiring as I would have expected. Um, As a friend called it, and I will not out them by name, a friend called it a bit of a downer. Um... It, it definitely didn't resonate deeply with me as much as I would have hoped it would. But again, I did not see the full show. So it's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to kind of discuss what parse and parse out what I did and did not like. What I will say is that the music is spectacular. And something that kind of stuck with me, and this might be a me thing, and I'm curious if you all feel the same way too, but it seemed strange to me to see a Star Wars and a Marvel segment within a water show like this. Now, I'm trying to unpack that personally, and I have no reason to feel that way. There's no reason. Like, that's all Disney. It's all kind of the same company. Why does it seem weird to me that there's a Star Wars fanfare in a water show? That's a personal hang-up that I got to explore and get into. But those Star Wars and Marvel portions, we only saw a bit of them. But now, having seen what I've seen online and in photos, they are way better than I expected. So maybe it's because I didn't see them in their full glory. Again, it's so tricky to, because I don't want to review something that isn't the full version that you'll see. But the Star Wars and Marvel section, there's videos online. I don't want to be too spoiler here, but they are really special from what I've seen. And we only got a glimpse of them. But still, I'm curious if anyone else feels that way. If like Star Wars and Marvel and a water show is a little, is a little, is a little weird. But regardless, World of Color 1, very cool. Really want to see it again. I love the lighting package. I love the way they incorporated Pixar Pier and Incredicoaster with the different lightings that they did, the way that they lit up Mickey's Fun Wheel, which I refuse to call Pixar Pal around. I'm sorry, I will never do it. <laughs> but the way they incorporated Mickey's Fun Wheel was spectacular. But again, at the end of the day, I know I saw a different version. I just saw like a weather version of it. It wasn't every, we didn't see the full every water screen, but it's still is no Wondrous Journeys, which, wow, Wondrous Journeys is legit. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince. 
but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. It's like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Wondrous Journeys, the new nighttime spectacular at Disneyland Park, an epic adventure through 100 years of Disney Animation Studios storytelling. And that's quite literally what it is. They're not messing around. This one is phenomenal. And you have to understand, I've seen a lot of new nighttime shows in the past few years, more than usual, given Disney World's 50th anniversary. We had two new shows paired with two new shows at this, almost back to back. It's pretty rare that that many new nighttime shows debut within a short period of time. And because of that, I have had the privilege to watch these with kind of the same group of reporters, all of us together, all of us experiencing these I have four new shows within a short period of time all together. 
And this was the first time in recent memory that 100% of us were blown away. Just turning to each other after being like, that was great. That was great. And there was so much joy and so much energy, which we don't always feel after certain shows. (laughs) Enchantment. So it was really, really nice to experience this in that way and really just feel affirmed that this is a solid show that you kind of, you kind of got to go see. As much as I want to explore in detail, Wondrous Journeys is so new. This debuted a few days ago, and I really don't want to spoil the medleys and characters they combined and music they cohesively intertwined and specific projections that are absolutely gorgeous. But just know you have to see this. The one thing I will spoil is the Tinkerbell moment or Whom is flying overhead during the show? So if you don't want to hear this, fast forward about 45 seconds. Okay, so there are actually two flyover moments. One is the Blue Fairy, but who cares because the other one is Baymax, and it's incredible. You'd think on paper, like, Baymax flying past Sleeping Beauty Castle, that doesn't make any sense. No, 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 no. It is glorious. It is wonderful, and it works. Most importantly, it works just like the rest of this show does. It is not easy, by the way, to make a show encompassing the entirety of the Walt Disney Animation Studios film library. It truly is an impossible task. And yet, they've figured out a way to make it work. There's gorgeous projections, a beautiful theme, incredible music, and most importantly, it is cohesive and has massive rewatch potential, which is huge, especially for locals who will see the show many, many times. This wasn't just a clip show. They mixed everything and they mixed it well. And even saying that is reminding me that this is the same park that has Mickey's Mix Magic, a show that I think is a crime because I dislike it so much. So to have something like this instead of that, oh my God, this is so far superior and I cannot wait for you all to see it. Now, we we do have to talk about the projections, which is a little tricky to discuss when I don't want to spoil anything, but they look beautiful. And I want to stress that you do not have to see this show at Sleeping Beauty Castle. And you also don't even have to see it with fireworks, which you very likely might not because it doesn't play with fireworks each night. We'll talk about that at the end of this episode. But really, the projections, you can see them on the castle, you can see them down Main Street, you can see them on It's a Small World, and you can see them But if you're watching Fantasmic on water screens projected over there. And I'll tell you, I was standing in front of Sleeping Beauty Castle watching the debut of this show. And I I can't tell you a single firework I saw. I have truly like no recollection of the fireworks because the projections were so good. Which to me is is a testament to how good this show is. That you don't even need to see all the elements of it together for it to be blown away. I mean, I, I could see them. They were there. But I have no memory of the fireworks because I was just so... I was just so blown away by what I was seeing in front of me. I will add, content-wise, I guess that's the best way to phrase that, it it was really, really nice and almost refreshing to live inside this world, like the parameters of one single Disney entity. So much of what we experience at the parks, even at the stores and nighttime shows, parades, is a mashup between Pixar and Marvel and Star Wars and core Disney. And it was just really, really nice to spend this time, to spend this show 
during this Disney 100 celebration, just heralding one core studio. I really, really enjoyed that. Then it wasn't mixing different animation from different studios. Again, they it's a conglomerate. They, they own all of them. But it was really nice to have this experience to just experience Walt Disney Animation Studios. And I think you too, when you watch this, will walk away feeling a similar way. Now, nighttime shows aside, that is not all I did at Disneyland Resort this last week. I, of course, attended Lunar New Year, which is at DCA through February 15th. One of, no, I'm going to take it back, my favorite festival that they have at Disney California Adventure. As you know, this year they have Hortensia and Oswald, uh, the entertainment is fantastic. I saw the Mulan processional through the park. Beautiful. Well, just like I, I went, God, I caught it because I was getting food. And then I went back to get something at the counter and just had to stop and watch, even though I was so hungry and my food was getting cold. I didn't care because it was that good. It's that good. But I did use a sip and savor pass to try some of the food at the festival, which I wanted to call out here. Now, I, if I had more time, I would have tried out more. I'm not supposed to be eating a lot of sugar because of this whole baby thing. So I couldn't eat everything I wanted to at the festival. I didn't get my whole fish, which is usually my thing. You guys know that I love that whole fish. Um, and I couldn't get the Mickey Mouse shaped hot dog bun, which I love because you can't have hot dogs when you're pregnant. Isn't that wild? It's been a a long run and I really, really miss them. Um, But my favorite item, which I wanted to shout out here for anyone who will be at Disney California Adventure and who wants to try this, it's called Red Spice Fried Chicken Bites. And then uh, the secondary discussion, I was going to say that's not the right word. The secondary detail for that on Disney's website is fried chicken chicharron and spicy red chili sauce. And they were delicious and they were actually spicy, which I appreciate because the spicy Dan Dan noodles I got were not and I didn't eat them because it was not spicy enough. So if you are uh, if you are not sure if you want it, try it. It's real spicy. It's delicious. I loved it. I even carried it from booth to booth because I wanted to finish it. Uh, I was with my friend and colleague, Valerie, and I just like trotted around carrying it so I could finish the rest of my chicken. Now, we do have to discuss the Lunar Near food options as a whole. And uh, I'm going to be very careful with my words here, but it does feel like they're doing uh, a g- an increased amount of what I would call, I guess, fusion-y food. It just seems weird to me that this is happening, especially when the menus are quite limited. I mean, they have a gochujang elote, which is Mexican street corn. And I understand the gochujang element of it fits Lunar New Year, but there's, again, a Mexican street corn. And it, and there's one of the biggest or like the most popular items is a quesabiria egg roll, which again is a Mexican flavor profile. I just think there was a space here, a missed opportunity for more cultural inclusion at an already great event than putting two items like this out there. I would have loved to see more specialized, I don't know, Vietnamese dishes in one of the booths or regional Chinese foods, different specific foods you don't usually get. Maybe even the banh mi or bulgogi or kimchi bokumbap, uh, the fried rice served at Paradise Garden Grill. All of those items are served at Paradise Garden Grill, by the way, which always has a robust menu. You should always check out. Never forget that. But if those items were in these tasting portions, it would make them more front and center. And instead, it seems a little weird to me, again, as I'm an outsider, but it seems weird that those are served elsewhere and not included in these tasting booths, like up front when you're walking past. And essentially, an elote and different Mexican flavor profiles are front and center in a Lunar New Year celebration. Now, granted, 
What do I know? Because a pizza bao bun was completely sold out. <laughs> you could not get it. It seems to be the highest seller of the fest. And the second or even most popular dish tied with that was the egg roll. And it was selling like hotcakes. I just personally, I love Lunar Near. I love when these cuisines are presented front and center in the park. And I just wish there could have been even more authentic dishes on top of some of the ones they do already offer. It just seems like a missed opportunity to me. But that said, Lunar New Year is still great. I loved the time I spent there. I loved the food I had. The chicken was great. What else did I eat? Um, Valerie got dumplings. I was too full to eat those. I got the egg roll. I got the noodles. It's just, it's a great celebration and I'm really glad they do it, especially because I don't, we didn't talk about this on the podcast this year, but Universal Studios Hollywood's Lunar New Year celebration has just disappeared. It's just gone. (laughs) They used to have a great Lunar New Year celebration and theirs has disappeared into dust. So I really appreciate that you can still go to DCA and have a really, really, really great time celebrating Lunar New Year. I think that they do a wonderful job. Um, I just wish they would do dial it all the way up and do even more than they already do. Now, speaking of food in general at Disneyland Resort, I wanted to call out some other stuff I ate. Um, I had breakfast at GCH Craftsman Grill with my friends and colleagues, Drew and Valerie, which, by the way, has outdoor seating. So don't snooze on that if you're still an outdoor diner like I am. Uh, And we headed there because I'm just going to say it. I'm sure I've said it on here before. Breakfast at Disneyland is a problem. I can't start my day with some of the stuff that they're serving. I can't have a croissant that at like seven in the morning. It's too croissant filled with eggs and bacon. It's too much. I don't like a scrambled egg. I don't like an egg yolk scrambled. And that is basically every option. I couldn't find anything that seemed appealing besides a quinoa bowl, which I can't have a quinoa bowl like before I have coffee. That seems sacrilege. (laughs) But if you ever find yourself at Disneyland being like, I don't want any of this. Just remember, GCH Craftsman Grill has a solid menu. They have a lot of great entrees and they're served. um, I I would made to order, I guess is the way to say it. Uh, But I had a egg white omelet with turkey bacon. I enjoyed it and I highly recommend dining there. The other (laughs) food tidbit we have to discuss is a bit of a self-own before I get canceled imminently. So please stick with me uh, if you are at all uh, partial to listening to this podcast because you might uh, forget about me after this. Now, I don't have to talk about this here. I've I've chosen to and I feel I have to. But at this media event, which I never discuss like the inner workings of a media event, but at this media event, On the second night before Wondrous Journeys, we had a party that you have dinner at before you see the show. There's a reason I'm mentioning this, I promise. Now, at this event, there were maybe like five or six dishes you could eat. And then they had a churro cart open, a pretzel cart open, and a popcorn cart open. I am on a bit of a specific diet. I'm like not supposed to eat certain things. And the food offerings didn't really like jive with what I'm eating right now. There was a clam chowder. There was a Frito pie. There were like chicken croquettes. I ate a little bit of everything, but I was still really hungry. So I ended up getting a Mickey pretzel. I love a Mickey pretzel. I'm just not, uh, long story short, I'm not supposed to be eating them right now. Anyway, it was so cold out and the pretzel came out so hot. It was the perfect Mickey pretzel experience. And because I was there and because I was at a party and because it was complimentary, I did get plastic peel top cheese. And now I will tell you, I took a photo of this for posterity. I plan to publicly admit it that I was eating plastic cheese publicly out in the open. But what I will tell you is that the plastic cheese was the Best 
plastic cheese I have ever had. I'm sorry, not plastic cheese. Oh, my pregnancy brain. Peel top cheese. I had full peel top cheese, the one that I have cursed off this earth. I had peel top cheese, but because it was so warm, it was fully gooey. And remember the reason, oh my God, for anyone, if this is anyone's first episode, I'm so sorry. I promise this makes sense to other people. As you know, I don't like peel top cheese because the consistency is all over the place. If you get it, like, (laughs) truly right by Storybook Circus and Magic Kingdom in Florida, you know I'm talking about chonky cheese. It's always chonky, chonky, chonky. It's like a thick paste. You dip your pretzel in, and, like, it doesn't come out. It's nauseating. Run Disney people know. You get that cold cheese. It's very different. But here, it was peak peel-top cheese, which I uh, devoured instantly as though I had never eaten a meal before. And guess who walks up when I was on my last bite? No one else but Brooke McDonald, who stopped dead in her tracks as she was saying hi to me, stopped making noise, and just immediately took her phone out and started filming me. Started filming my long, lengthy apology for just like swallowing peel top cheese whole after all the horrible things I've said about it. To recap, I love a plastic cheese, like a nacho pump, pump, pump nacho cheese because it's gooey. It's liquid gold. It's what you want. But this peel, this peel top cheese, again, usually terrible. Here it was exceptional to the point where I, and this is where my imminent cancellation comes in. I immediately went back and got another one. I got, <laughs> I got two, I got two peel top cheeses. I know I'm so bad. I know. And I know I have cursed the peel top cheese and all of those who enjoy it forever. So uh, if you are upset with me, I understand. I completely understand. But I got to tell you, it was the perfect temperature. It was so gooey. And in that situation, I get it. I will give peel top cheese a pass. I guess I should be nicer to all of you who enjoy it. But yeah, it was, it was ideal. And in that moment, it was delicious. And I apologize. I apologize on behalf of my behavior, but I just had to put that out there. (laughs) Now moving on. Oh God, if anyone is still with me, uh, I do. Oh, sorry. I have the creakiest chair. I do want to discuss characters. So the core, what do they call them? There's not like the fab five. It's like the fun seven or like the magical eight, whatever. Um, all of the main Mickey, Minnie, Pluto, Goofy, Donald, Daisy, Chip Dale, they are wearing Disney 100 outfits, which you will see if you visit Disneyland park, you can find them just like right when you walk in the park doing meet and greets all around the base of Main Street USA. And a lot of it is silver and purple. Mickey's wearing a silver jacket with a bow tie and purple pants. It's very it's, I know people like stopped saying this a day ago, but it's giving Oscars, if you can imagine. Naturally, I love the outfit on Goofy, the big old silver hat. I also was going through my photos to prepare this episode and was like, is it weird that I, I spent like multiple work days just hugging a tall dog in fancy clothing? Listen, that's wrong. Uh, I don't want to be right because it's the best type of lifestyle, but you can find them right when you walk into Disneyland. You won't miss them. And if you do want to see classic costumes? You want to see like Mickey in his regular costume. You want to see Goofy in his regular costume. There is a secondary meet and greet where you can find them in their regular costumes over by It's a Small World in the back of the park. Just keep in mind, though, um, at the front of the park, you get in line for each individual character. So you want to meet Goofy in his Disney 100 best. You see Goofy, you hop in line. At the back of the park, at this other meet and greet that those characters do when they're not doing that, they are in their classic costumes and they're in a line and they will rotate out. So you'll get in line. You may or may not get who you are seeing at that point in time because the line was longer than the characters that were lined up. I think I'm explaining that right. I think I 
it's been about 30 minutes since I've eaten, so my, my brain's probably not functioning anymore. Uh, oh, I also wanted to mention, I finally got to see Mandalorian and Grogu in Batu at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland Resort. As a reminder, for some reason, they don't appear in Disney World. Rude, they should. But I kind of piggybacked on my friends Valerie and Brooke McDonald trying to meet Mandalorian and Grogu. I went away and did a bunch of other stuff. And then I came back to meet up with Brooke and they happened to be there. So I got very lucky with timing. But I will flag that I think they thought they were going to come out around 9 or 10, between 9 and 10 a.m. And I believe it took until around noon. So if that is something you want to do on your trip, uh, I good luck. <laughs> it's the best advice I can give you. It was it was a little difficult. I know that that is something that happens towards the start of the day. It was a mob scene. People were so excited to see them. But you definitely should maybe plan to wait it out if that is something that is important to you. Just a few more things I want to mention before we get into how you can see these nighttime shows and how you can get on Making Minis Runaway right away. So as you know, I live in Los Angeles, so I don't really stay on property at Disneyland Resort that often. I have plenty of times, but it's not a regular thing for me. And I got to tell you, I was extremely impressed by my stay at Disney's Grand Californian Resort. Now, deluxe resorts at Disney World, a comparable hotel to this one, are just, how do I say this without sounding terrible? They're just so inferior compared to normal hotels. Like there's so few amenities. They're really lacking in things that you need. But the Grand Californian was actually so nice. There was turndown service with chocolates. Housekeeping was so attentive. There were multiple times when they kept just offering, do you need anything before you check out? Do you need anything for the rest of the day? Which is something I, I have not experienced in a long time. Uh, they had slippers in the room and I was just in a standard room there. I had slippers. They had those gloriously comfy robes, which you know I'm obsessed with. Not like the sandpaper ones, like the real soft plush ones. And truly from top to bottom, it did feel like a nicer hotel, like a regular hotel experience and not the one with conceits that I've kind of grown accustomed to from a Disney hotel. Again, staying with Disney is very different from staying anywhere else because there's not a concierge. You can spend a lot of money to stay with Disney and still not be given any access or advantage to go on a brand new ride than a day guest. It's very, it's very weird. And I say that I know that you get into the park early, but I say that in terms of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway having a virtual queue. If you pay to stay at the Grand Californian, if you pay to stay at the Grand Floridian, if you pay to stay anywhere, you are not given any priority access to like a virtual queue for that. You're given priority access for if you want to spend more money, but not to the rides and things like that really break my brain. But even with all that said, I, I was just blown away by the service, by like every mark of Disney's Grand Californian. And if I if I was reviewing the hotel, if I was there to just do hotel stuff, I would I would honestly like give it a fantastic review. There were real glasses in the room, real glasses. We're not talking those sad little plastic cups that you're getting in Florida. Those glasses, they delivered my bags quickly to my room. Again, I usually don't do that, but I can't really carry anything right now. It was really it was really great. And most importantly, it was the quietest Disney hotel I've stayed in in recent memory. Uh, I usually bring these very aggressive earplugs to sleep in whenever I'm at Disney World. Uh, I need them 100% of the time. And Disney's Grand Californian, I didn't hear a peep. I didn't hear a peep. It was, it was a blissful stay. I cannot say enough nice things. And I say that knowing that, yes, this is the top tier hotel here. It is priced accordingly because you can just walk right into, into the park. But 
I was really, I was not expecting to walk away going, wow, that was a wonderful hotel stay. And I only have nice things to say about it. Um, And also the shampoo isn't attached to the wall because if you're spending that much money a night, your shampoo shouldn't be attached to the wall like it is at many other deluxe hotels. Okay. Anyway, now that I've really uh, burned a lot of bridges, the last thing I want to mention is Disney 100 merchandise. I shared a little bit of this on Instagram. I put a bunch of links up in my, um, oh God, what it shop links highlight, whatever that means. Um, but I do think the eras collection for merchandise is solid. It is really cool. And if you haven't checked it out, it has a vintage vibe to it that if that appeals to you, you should absolutely look at it really, to me, it looks like special stuff that you'd only be able to get if you visited the studio lot, which is what I love about it. They have this little Walt Disney Studios typewriter that is actually holds a notepad. They have a Mickey statuette holding your cell phone. They have a water tower lamp, a lamp that looks like the Disney water tower. It's very cool. There's a Walt Disney Studios hat that is great. Um, I love all that stuff. But in terms of the core Disney 100 merchandise, I am going to have a giveaway on my Instagram. It'll it'll probably be up by the time you're listening to this. It'll be for a few different things they gifted us. Um, they gifted us a Mickey Mouse 100 doll, special like Disney 100 ears, like an ear headband, and I believe a water bottle. There might be one other thing, but I'm blanking on it. But I'm going to pay that forward and give that away. So if that's something you're interested in, be sure to check out my Instagram. All right. Last but not least, I'm going to refresh your memory on how to actually do any of this stuff I just mentioned. <laughs> Again, I'm making Minnie's Runaway Railway and how to see these nighttime shows. Now, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, as we have discussed, you cannot wait in line for it. There is no standby queue. You have two options. You can book a free virtual queue boarding pass or pay for a individual lightning lane. Both of this can be done inside Disneyland's app. Now, the virtual queue, we discussed this in depth last week, but it opens twice per day at 7 a.m. and at 1 p.m. It's essentially a lottery. And from what I've understood in the past few days, when the ride opened, it was harder than ever to get your hands on a virtual queue return time. I saw a lot of people who are pros get shut out of it. I myself, I didn't because I'm not riding the ride. I didn't want to just take up space for experimentation. So I didn't click any buttons, but I have been hearing that it is tight. Now, if you are selected at 7 a.m. or 1 p.m., which we'll get into in a second, uh, you will be assigned a boarding group and given an estimated wait time for when you can return to board the attraction. There is some fine print here that you just gotta, gotta keep an eye out for. For the 7 a.m. virtual queue, you don't have to, you don't have to be at the park, you don't have to be in the parking garage, you don't have to be anywhere. You can book from anywhere on your phone, but you will need a Disneyland park reservation. So if you are going to Disneyland Resort with a park hopper and you start at Disney California Adventure, you cannot book the 7 a.m. virtual queue. That is only for people who have a Disneyland reservation. Now, at 1 p.m., the second drop for virtual queue, you need either a Disneyland reservation or a Disney California Adventure reservation with park hopper admission. So basically, if you can get inside (laughs) Disneyland Park by the time you would go on this ride, you can book one. Um, But you must have already entered a park. So if you are planning on going to, let's say, Disneyland Park at like 4 p.m. that day, you cannot book virtual. You cannot 
you cannot book the 1 p.m. if you have not entered the park yet. And that goes for both of those. Now, a little thing that they added is that you, you are riding with friends and family, you're riding with a group of people. You can confirm that group up to an hour before booking. So basically any time between 6 a.m. and the 7 a.m. virtual queue and 12 p.m. noon and the 1 p.m. secondary virtual queue. It sounds a little like, why is she even mentioning that? But I promise it is helpful because this stuff gets down to the second and it's just good to have that squared away in advance. For individual Lightning Lane, which is separate from Genie Plus. Genie Plus is one set fee. Individual Lightning Lane refers to the more in-demand attractions at Disneyland Resort. They kind of live outside of that and you pay per ride for those really in-demand rides. You can only purchase that on this coast once you physically enter a park. So you cannot book that, can't be at home booking a 7 a.m. virtual queue, don't get it, can book a individual lightning lane. You have to have scanned into the park. Pricing will vary, but expect around $20 a person. And one thing I want to add for this individual lightning lane is that you can't, you can only book two individual lightning lanes per day per person. And Disneyland currently has three individual lightning lane enabled attractions. So there is Radiator Springs Racers, there is Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and there is Rise of the Resistance. There are so many R's. so many R's happening. So I'm very sorry for the confusion. But if those rides, let's say you're going for one day, you're doing a park hopper, you're jamming it all in, you're going to have to choose between which of those three, which two you want to, if you choose to, purchase an individual lightning lane for. Other, other fine print stuff. If riding this attraction is essential for your trip, if you are traveling here to go on this ride, you got to get on this ride. I would recommend things like Booking Disneyland as your starting park if you have park hopper admission because it'll give you more opportunities to book virtual queue. I would also recommend arriving early. You can purchase Lightning Lane, as I mentioned, at, in, sorry, individual Lightning Lane after you enter the park, but there's obviously going to be more availability earlier on in the day. So the earlier you arrive, the better shot you have at getting that and not at a late time at night. I think that is all the standard Runaway Railway virtual queue detail that I need to tell you. I feel like there is one other thing. Oh, yes. I've been getting questions from people wondering if the virtual queue will still be in use for their spring break trip or their summer trip to Disneyland Resort. I would definitely bank on this being in place for a bit of time, probably through spring break, maybe through early summer. But I will... I mean, it'll be on maternity leave, so I will do my best to post something big like that if they take away the virtual queue. But just plan on this being in place for a while because this ride will be in demand because it's the newest thing. So it's most likely going to be structured this way for a minute. As for nighttime entertainment, we have World of Color 1 at Disney California Adventure happening nightly throughout the week and twice a night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wondrous Journeys at Disneyland And this is according to, this got a little hairy online, so I just want to say, this is according to the dates they have announced so far. I'm going off the calendar. I don't like to make any assumptions anymore after the pandemic. You never know what's going to happen. So this is just from the information we know. Wondrous Journeys at Disneyland is currently slated to have projections only Monday through Thursday and projections and fireworks on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That means if you are planning to see Wondrous Journeys from now through, I'd say, the start of the spring break season, you will most likely for the most part, not see fireworks unless you go on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Spring break has the potential to be fireworks for longer. 
summertime more likely we'll have fireworks every night but actually i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take a gamble and say spring break plan on only weekends you're only gonna see fireworks um historically i believe fireworks do play during like big holiday season at the end of the year every night and during the summer but again i don't want to make any assumptions so i'd rather well i don't know the phrase but i'd rather undersell you so that you're delighted by fireworks if you don't have them than disappoint you um and all of course all of this is weather permitting but just plan on if you're going to the park on a weekday especially for the next few months you may not essentially see the fireworks. That said, I think that's okay. I think this show, the theme, the music, the characters, I think it's all so great that without fireworks, it still really holds its own. And I hope you have a wonderful time. Oh, that's right. One more thing. There is a virtual, a secondary virtual queue specifically for World of Color 1. This virtual queue opens at noon because you have to remember so many things, <laughs> so many things on your Disney day. So virtual queue for Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, 7 a.m. and 1 p.m. at noon. If you have a valid reservation and valid admission, you can book vir- you can book virtual queue for World of Color inside the Disneyland app. Now, you, ha- you can have either type of admission. You can have a Disney California Adventure ticket. You can have a park hopper ticket. You just have to have access to the park. But you do have to have already entered one of the parks. So you can only book this virtual queue if you have scanned into one of the parks that day and have admission to Disney California Adventure later that night. I have seen shows without doing the virtual queue. It's fine. You, you can still, I mean, you'll be further back, but it's not that bad. And the closer you are, you get wet. So mm, it's fine. I think that is, I think that is it. Did we cover all the bases? All the stuff makes me break out in hives because I'm scared I'm going to forget something. But if you have any questions, I'm around for one more week. <laughs> So hit me up. Otherwise, I hope you have a wonderful Disney 100 year-long celebration at Disneyland. I hope you enjoy the nighttime shows, and I can't wait to hear all of your thoughts about them. Woo! Hi, Carly. My name is Jess, and I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. I am a huge Disney fan. I even went and named my child Elias. But that's beside the point. Anyway, we have an ongoing thing in my family where we're asking everybody, because we're all Disney fans, what is your number one attraction at Disneyland? If you want to say Walt Disney World, you do you. But our rule is, what is the number one thing? It doesn't have to be your favorite ride per se, but the one thing you can't skip and have it still feel like a Disney trip. I was just list- listening to Griffin's podcast, and that's what jogs my memory, and I thought it would be a good question for you. Mine, personally, very much like Griffin, is the Enchanted Tiki Room. That's why it reminded me of this question. I love that room so much. It makes no sense whatsoever, because it's not a thrill ride. It's not crazy. You don't wait in line forever, but there's something about getting a Dole Whip and listening to the birds sing. And it just feels like if you don't do that, it's not a true Disney trip. So pick a coast or both coasts. What's your must-do to make it feel like a true Disney trip? Love the podcast. Thanks so much. And can't wait to hear more about the baby when he comes or she comes or they come. Thanks so much. Bye. Wow. This is a really, really good question because I have kind of found myself in this space before trying to think through it. 
when I, not when I started, but a few years ago, I did a lot of ride ranking stories because as you can imagine, um, <laughs> they're very controversial online and people tear them apart, which means they get a lot of page views, which means my editors really, really wanted me to write them. So there was a time period where I think I ranked all rides at Disney World and all rides at Disneyland and I got shredded to bits. But the thing was, sorry, I need to work through my PTSD about this, I guess, in real time. Uh, the thing was is that those rankings weren't my personal rankings, that was just kind of what I felt the general like objective rankings would be. For me personally, it's interesting because for so long, the one ride I couldn't skip was Space Mountain. And that still kind of is my rule for Magic Kingdom and for Disney World. Like if I don't go on Space Mountain, I didn't go to Disney World until I came down with this medical affliction we call having a child and you can no longer go on roller coasters. And I have been back to Disney World. I have been back to Disneyland during this time when I couldn't, when Space Mountain is not available to me. And I still do feel like I have gone to the park. So now having reframed all of that, I kind of feel, and this, I don't know if this is gonna be controversial because it is a little broad, but I kind of feel like you didn't go to Disneyland, quote unquote, unless you, you know, have a solid excuse like I do. Um, you didn't go to Disneyland if you didn't go on one of the Fantasyland rides. Because now approaching it, taking a step back, not, you know, not everyone goes on a thrill ride. Not everyone loves a roller coaster. But now that I approach Disneyland in this different way, to me, if you didn't, if you didn't go on Snow White, if you didn't go on Pinocchio, if you didn't go on Mr. Toad, if you didn't go on one of these small rides that are very specific to Disneyland, very unique to Disneyland, tie in the history, just feel special. Things that would never be built to this tiny scale at Disney World or at another park. Like it just feels, I mean, there are in other parks, but I mean, built these days. It just feels so special and so Disneyland. And so for that reason, I'm more inclined to say something that is, uh, that is less, uh, is less discussed or, uh, less focused on like Pinocchio's daring adventure, whatever it's called. My brain doesn't work anymore. Now let me make sure. <laughs> now you can see why I'm ending the podcast early. There's no blood in my brain. Um, Daring journey. Gah, I knew it. Again, can't keep anything in my brain. I'll be back in a few months. My brain will work, I promise. But riding something like Pinocchio's Daring Journey or even Alice in Wonderland, any of those small, intimate little rides that you're kind of like, this is still here. This is still operating. How strange. If you're coming from an outside perspective, to me, those feel quintessentially Disneyland. I hope I answered that correctly. I hope you guys aren't laughing at me for messing up the name, despite this being my professional job. I uh, got a lot going on, but still, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, thank you for this fun call. Oh, this is so much fun to answer. Oh. Hi, Carly. Uh, I was going to go on a Disney trip uh, next weekend, uh, but my boyfriend and I broke up and it's his friends, so I'm the one canceling. So I've canceled everything, like hotel and everything, moved my flight so I can visit a friend. But I'm wondering, I have this ticket now, and I was wondering the best time to go. Uh, my birthday is April. I might be willing to stay at a resort, but I also have another ticket floating around, so I might bring at least one more friend. Uh, do you have any suggestions for me? <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Oh my gosh. Okay. First things first. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you coping with this 
large change in your life. I hope you are doing well. Um, I am so sorry you have to go through the headache of canceling a bunch of things and probably all of the details that come with a breakup, but I am so grateful that you called me and that I can take the time to help you figure out this issue because uh, I want the best for you and good riddance to your former partner. We're looking forward. Things are going to be great and you're going to have a wonderful trip. It sounds like you're going on a trip with this plane ticket and then a future trip to Disney World. So I hope you have the best time on both of them because frankly, you deserve it. Now, in terms of timing this Disney World trip, I ugh, it's it's everything is so tricky these days. But I, I used to prefer going like January, February because the weather is not good. <laughs> and it's just because I hate I hate Florida humidity. I hate it so much. So for me, like wearing a jacket in Disney World was a thrill. But we are already you're going to be hearing this in February. So that time has passed. Labor Day ish also used to be my favorite time to go. But I don't really recommend that anymore now that they start Mickey Minnie's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party in August, (laughs) in August, which is a crime, not just because you shouldn't be celebrating Halloween in August. I mean, you should be eating candy all year round, frankly, but you shouldn't be celebrating Halloween in August. And also the park closure hours because of that party are not good. And so if you're using your admission to go to Magic Kingdom, maybe you don't have a park hopper, you're getting bounced out of that park early. And frankly, I don't think that's worth the money. So If you are eyeing April, which it sounds like, I would veer towards the end of April, possibly like right on the cusp of April and May. Tron debuts at the beginning of April, uh, early April. So that's going to be busy, uh, just, just crazy for the first week. You also have spring breakers for the first half of the month. And you have a heavy group of spring breakers over Easter, over all of that. So you don't want to go the first two weeks of April if, if you don't have to. For people who have school breaks and that's when they're taking their kids, that's why it's busy because it's convenient. But it sounds like you are just choosing a time in April to celebrate your birthday. So I would go towards the end of the month. There's a run Disney race in the middle of the month. I would go after that. Now, there is what looks like a cheer competition happening the back two weeks of April. I was looking for, I always like double check sports competitions. And of course there was one because I'm like, oh, end of April sounds easy breezy. And uh, WDW Prep School, friend of the podcast, their website reminded me that there is a chunk of those cheer competitions at the end of April, but they don't go into May. So I think that planning your trip end of April right into May will be perfect and you'll be able to enjoy spring and enjoy Tron and not have to deal with the big spring break crowds that you're not tied to. I hope you have so much fun regardless of when you go. Uh, Hit me back if you have any questions. You can always text me on the churros line if you have a follow-up question. I want you to have the best trip. I want you to enjoy yourself because you deserve it. And thank you for calling. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening to this very special Disneyland Disney 100 episode. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts or rate and follow us on Spotify. That stuff like actually matters on the back end, or so I'm told. I don't know how anything in a computer works. But if you have the time and if you haven't done it yet, that would be immensely wonderful. I would appreciate it very much. And for the many, many, many listeners you have, I thank you yet again for your time and for plunking down little stars and for writing me a little love note. It's like a Valentine that lasts all year round, and I greatly appreciate it. You can give us a call at 747churros or send us a voice note or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. Now, I know this is kind of a last call sort of thing because next week is our final episode before I take a break, but feel free to just send it anyway and I'll, and if it's, you know, if it's not time sensitive, I can get to it when I'm back. Uh, there are some churros calls I've been meaning to play that I was scheduling for the next few episodes, which sadly are not happening anymore, but keep them coming. I have a whole log of them. And just because you called a long time ago, doesn't mean your call might not be played. I, I have uh, some that I save reserves for specific topic episodes. So keep them coming. If you have questions and if you have urgent questions, I apologize that I'll be gone. Oh God. I just want you to have the best trip possible. You can shop all things very amusing at very amusing.com and you can follow me carly wiesel at carly wiesel on twitter instagram and tiktok which i've been sucked into lately i'm back i'm back on that app and i shouldn't be spending time on it it melts my brain you can also join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash carly wiesel this episode was edited perfectly by jeff fox i don't know if i've ever actually said he did a perfect job but he always does a perfect job this week is no exception and he deserves it. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. I just want to say I got back from California. I had a wonderful weekend. I know it's not Disney podcast, but it's okay. I love you. I miss you so much already. I had so much fun. But I got to tell you, Florida is 82 degrees today. It's a lot warmer here. Great podcast. The, I want, I actually want to try Tron one day. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if I'd fall off of it, but I'd like to try it one day. I think that would be cool. As rest, and I like the Morty segment. I love that. I love Morty. And about everything else is great. And I hope to see you pretty soon in a couple weeks. And I would love to go to Disney and I'd love even more to do a podcast with you. I love you. Bye, sweetheart. Love you, Jen Simmons.